here comes the adventure and salty old podcasts, eh? Rock! Salty old podcasts, salty old podcasts. Yo ho, yo ho, a parent's life for me. Rock! Parent's life, parent's life. Now welcome to the WDW Radio Podcast. Rock! With your host, Lou Mangello. Mangello, Mangello, Mangello. Rock! It's your WDW Information Station. Information, information, ah, a parrot's life for me. Yo ho, yo ho, a boss there. Ah. WDW Radio, your information station. You found that spot on the dial. Give a listen and stay for a while. Time for us to say hello. WDW Radio. News and rumors and interviews. Trivia, history, and reviews. All the dizzy stuff you need to know. WDW Radio. It's time to hear all about a magical place. Disney World will always put us. Right down, put on your mouse ears. Who's already? Let's get on with the show. WDW Radio. Hello, and welcome back to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. This is show number four for the week of March 4th, 2007. I'm Lou Mangiello, and I'll be your host this and every week as we talk all about Walt Disney World news, rumors, history, trivia, do some interviews, and so much more. This week, with the help of some special guests, I answer some listener emails where we talk about celebrities at the Disney MGM Studios, responses to the possibility of Disney expanding beyond its theme parks in Orlando and Anaheim, and a hidden celebrity cameo at Ellen's Energy Adventure. Mike Scopa joins me in discussing the Walt Disney World Marathon experience, and Jonathan Dichter treats us all to another installment of his Voices Behind the Magic. Now, before we get started, let me apologize because I know that this week's intro ran a little bit long, but I was having way too much fun doing it and there was so much good stuff to include. I want to thank Jonathan Dichter again for another great intro. Please, please keep them coming. We really enjoy it. And a very special thank you to David and Kathy Recchione for the new WDW Radio Show theme song, which I just love. Uh, I, I think it's great and captures so much of what I want this podcast to be. It's just upbeat and it's fun and I really enjoy it. I'm going to put a link to David's website at the end of the show as well as to Jonathan's blog. And uh, if you like the song, let me know. I'll make it available on the free DisneyWorldTrivia.com download section and uh, we're going to integrate that kind of a little bit different format every week, but I wanted to play the full version with all the vocals this week because uh, I just think it's great. Thanks again, David and Jonathan. And with that little bit of housekeeping out of the way, let's get on with the show. Now, before we get to some of the segments that I mentioned at the intro, I do have one bit of Disney World-related news to cover, as well as one rumor I wanted to address. 
I don't have very much for these two segments simply because I am recording very early in the week as uh, tomorrow morning I am going out of state on a business trip. Okay, who am I kidding? I'm going down to Walt Disney World, but it just sounded better at least to the people that I work with. Anyway, the first bit of news has to do with a new pilot program that appears Disney is trying out online, and that is a new e-ticket program, which means that you can now print your tickets at home for special events such as the Pirate and Princess Party. I actually happened to see this while looking on the Disney Pass Holder website recently while I was looking to purchase tickets for the party for March 2nd or 5th. It appears as this now offers guests a new fulfillment option and giving you the opportunity to print your tickets on your home printer and go right to the theme park without having to worry about standing in will call lines and guest relations. You're now going to be able to print your tickets um, as a PDF file that's going to appear on screen, which is also going to be emailed to you. This right now is only being used for the Pirate and Princess Party. The dates that it was and will be used for are February 23rd, 26th, March 2nd, 5th, and 8th. My assumption is is that if this program does work and is well-received by guests, and I can't imagine why it wouldn't be, this is something that they would integrate later on. I think it's a great option. So now you no longer have to take that extra time to go to guest relations. You'll have the ticket. You'll be able to go right in and enjoy the party. Uh, Now, if they could just integrate making your advanced dining reservations online, we'll be all set. The one rumor that I did want to address is something that uh, I received a number of emails about this week, and it has to do with a restaurant at Epcot's World Showcase possibly closing. The rumor floating around now is that L'Originale Alfredo di Roma Ristorante in in the Italy Pavilion may be closing. Uh, After 20 years, it's supposed to be going down permanently at the end of July 2007. There will be a new replacement restaurant opening at the same location, but there are no further details now. Now, when I do head down uh, for my research trip this weekend, I will go to Alfredo's and see what I can find out to see if that is true. What I may also try and do is make some phone calls and see if I can make an ADR for sometime later on in the year and see what they say. Uh, it would be a shame to see this go. This is definitely the signature restaurant in Italy, one of the best, I think, in World Showcase. Um, it's based on a famous restaurant in Rome of the same name. It's obviously home of the uh, world-famous Fettuccine Alfredo. I think the restaurant is beautiful. The food is very good. Um, I, I, it's a shame to see it go and, and hope that if it does get replaced, it is replaced with something on par um, or better. This actually ties into something I mentioned a few weeks ago about some of the other restaurants in World Showcase, which are going down for refurbishments throughout this year. Again, Epcot's 25th is coming up. You do see that they are making some changes to restaurants, obviously, as an improvement, hopefully. You hate to see a restaurant like this go, but uh, it is nice to see them doing things to keep things fresh and to keep the options fresh throughout World Showcase. So if anybody has any more information, either about the e-ticket pilot program or about anything you've heard, about uh, Alfredo's, by all means, please let me know. Send it to lou at wdwradio.com. Call the voicemail at 206-202-4WDW. Post about it on the forums at disneyworldtribute.com, or if you see me walking around Epcot, tap me on the shoulder and let me know what you think. All right, chances are you've heard of Mike Scopa, whether you've read his column over at mouseplanet.com, heard him spin a yarn over at the WDW Today podcast, 
wept uncontrollably at the presentation he gave at Magic Meets last year, or just shared a dole with with him at Aloha Isle during Mouse Fest. While Mike has written numerous reviews and articles all about Walt Disney World, and he's known not only as a vacation planning, dare I say Mike guru, but someone who truly gets, understands, and appreciates what the true Disney magic is all about. But uh, Mike, you know, you've served actually as a personal inspiration to me, as you are a veteran of numerous marathons at Walt Disney World, uh, Mike's love is not just for the sport, but really the whole experience at Disney, and that inspired me to dedicate myself, and in the process, other people, to training and running in the 2008 Walt Disney World Half Marathon. Let me be clear that it's the half. So, so uh, since I figured this is all Mike's fault, he could not only share his information about the marathon and tell me what I really got myself into, but why it's truly a unique and, yes, magical experience. Mike, welcome to the WDW Radio Show. Thanks, Lou, and 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 I got to tell you, you you read that introduction just the way I wanted you to 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 read it when I when I wrote it. I said, if I write it this way, will he read it the right way? And, and you did a great job, and I I thank you for uh, doing a great job. And uh, it's great to be uh, on this uh, new show. Thank you, thank you. It's really a pleasure to have you on here. And uh, like I said, I wanted to at least start off by trying to talk about the Walt Disney World Half Marathon because uh, we had spoken kind of offline a number of times about it and you told me what a great experience it was. So I I guess the lack of sleep had finally gotten to me and I threw it out there (laughs) on the air that I was going to train and run for uh, the the half marathon. So tell me and and anybody else that that you have uh, now suckered into running the marathon really kind of what we should start thinking about now. You know, I'm not a runner, so what should I be doing to start training for this? The first thing you need to do is you need to uh, uh, think about exactly uh, what you're going to wear on your feet. And uh, that's the most important thing of all, is that you want to make sure that whatever shoes you're going to be wearing uh, during your training, as well as the race, are going to be the right shoes for you. So. So I think that it's important that anyone who's thinking about running the race, running any kind of a race, a training, whatever, should go to a running a store that, that sells and specializes in running shoes. I would say walk for a week or so, try to get an idea as to how, how the shoe feels, break the shoe in, and then gradually uh, think about running for a certain amount of time, maybe 15 minutes and then walking for five minutes, then running 15 minutes. And I'd say you know, slowly build up so that maybe after the first month you're able to run a mile without stopping. And I wouldn't worry about speed. Everyone worries about speed, Lou, because for the uh, Walt Disney World Half Marathon, I believe that you have to, oh, I'm, I'm, I think that you have to run a pace that is at least 16 minutes per mile pace. I'm, I believe that's, that's the pace. Right. That's, that's what the website said. Uh, I checked okay. before I got myself into this. <laughs> oh, so everybody... I give you 16 minutes. <laughs> ah, you were doing your research. Well, a, a, a lot of people worry about that because they don't want to be swept. If, if there are certain, uh, certain points within the race in which if you're not by that certain point, by a certain time, then there's a bus that comes out and, and says, you know, you're done. And a lot of people worry about that. But, but what people need to know is that while you're training, over the course of the um, of of the year, as you're training, the speed will naturally come to you. So that's one thing to keep in mind, and that is not to worry about the speed because it will come naturally. 
Well, you actually led me to my next question, which was, you know, the day of the race, you know, I think you were even telling me, you know, when you get up at two o'clock in the morning for it, it, it's cold. I mean, it's pretty cold down in Walt Disney World in January. So what should what should I be looking forward to doing as far as, you know, what I need to wear and, you know, what should I be eating and how should I be sleeping? Should I bother going to sleep at all or just load up on the Red Bull and... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I can tell you that it's really, really, uh, it's, it's, it's just you flip a coin for January. Uh, you, you know just as well as I do that when it comes to January in Orlando, you, you have no idea what, what's going to happen. Uh, let me see if I can walk you through what that last few days would be like. Uh, there, is a, there is an expo at the World of Sports where you pick up your, your, uh, your race packet, and that's uh, that's the day before the half marathon. And a lot of people will talk about doing their carb loading that night. Um, if you are on Atkins, yeah, there's a need for doing that. But if you're not on Atkins, you really don't <laughs> to, uh, to to load up on carbs. You, you just want to ex- have a, an excuse to have pasta, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah, and it's it's an excuse. I'm sure that the the pasta uh, supply is 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 well up there if that Friday and Saturday night down there. The um, the thing is that, like you said. Uh, there is uh, an early start for the for the half marathon. So, what a lot of us will do is we'll we'll be in our room by eight o'clock because the wake up call is at two, so we can leave by three, so we can be at Epcot. Excuse me, by by three thirty, maybe quarter to four. They want us there by four. There are anywhere from twelve to fifteen thousand people who run the wow. half marathon, and so they want us there because they want to start at 6 a.m. and um when we when we um get ready to go to the to the starting line we have to it's probably a mile and a quarter to walk from i believe it's the discovery section of the Epcot parking lot to the starting line so that's that's quite a night and and if you're really excited you're right you you won't sleep now regarding what to wear you need to take everything and anything um Last year, I can tell you that when we started the race, when I left my room at Scopa Towers, of course, <laughs> the temperature was 42 degrees Fahrenheit. When we began the race, I believe it was 39 or 40. Okay, mm-hmm. so I had layers and layers on. Now, this year, just a complete different scenario. I left my room at two two o'clock again and the temperature was sixty four, sixty five. Mm. We started the race it was at seventy. So there's a difference of a forty degree a thirty degree difference in in the temperature. So you have to be prepared for, for everything. And this year I had a very I just had a short sleeve shirt on and it was my race for the race for the cure shirt and I had my uh, had my, my Boston Marathon shorts on and and my running shoes and that was it. Hmm. So you never know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, you know, you won't be tripping on any, uh, you know, rogue sweatpants that are laying on the side. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I can tell you that when I ran by that little area this year, I was well on the other side of where that incident occurred. And uh, I was very happy to get by there and uh, get into the, the Magic Kingdom. Because uh, last year when I ran up the Magic Kingdom, when I ran up Main Street USA, Pain, but this year I wasn't in pain. I was in sweat. <laughs> <laughs> tell, 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 quickly tell the story about what happened two years ago. Well, uh, as I was saying, the uh, the temperature last year was pretty, pretty cold, and so a lot of us uh, showed up to the uh, to the starting line with um, 
layers of, of clothing. We had uh, everyone, very few people, if any, had shorts on. We all had sweatpants on. So we're, we're getting, I'm doing really well. I'm running up to uh, Magic Kingdom. I'm doing about 10 and a half minute miles, which is just un, uncalled for. I was just running on adrenaline. I was so excited. And uh, we got past the Contemporary Resort. So as I was peeling off my sweatshirt, my, I covered my face just for a split second and when I did that, I stepped on, which I thought, it's, I, it felt like there was a pile of, of clothes. And I kind of stumbled a little bit, and I thought I had twisted my ankle. And I remember almost going down, but I didn't. And everybody said, you okay? You okay? And the only thing I remember saying is, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. So I started hobbling, and I ran the last, uh, let me see, nine and a half, ten, last two and a half miles, and I finished the... Finished the race, and uh, yeah, I was in pain for about a day or two. I flew home, and uh, it was still bothering me, so I went to the hospital, and uh, they did x-rays, and I had broken my ankle, and I didn't realize it. And uh, It was, you know, as much as, you know, uh, you'd say, oh, my God, Mike, you actually broke your ankle. I don't think there is any <clears throat> doubt that, that if it happened to you or it happened to any other man, that the testosterone takes over and you just say, I'm going to finish this race. I mean, it's just like a football player who, is, uh, who, who hurts, his, uh, hurts his leg in the first half, and if he doesn't know it, you know, he's just, just going to keep going. It's, it's, if I had known the extent of the damage, I probably would have stopped, but I didn't. So I just kept going, and it was, uh, it was something that I still don't. Uh, I mean, I, had to, I actually had to bring in the metal, uh, the, 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 the Donald... <laughs> duck metal to my uh to my doctor to prove to show why i why I, I finished the race there were other reasons why i had to finish the race but i mean it was definitely a uh you know when you train all year for something like this and it's something you never thought you'd ever get a chance to do you're not going to let it slip by and basically that's what happened well you know while, while that's a very admirable story you know you're really putting a lot of pressure on me now because if i don't finish <laughs> or if i do get swept up by by the big black van that comes and, and gets uh, all the stragglers you know that that's uh, a lot of pressure. Thanks. Well, let me let me tell you let me tell you a secret, Lou. I think if you can make it to the Magic Kingdom, if you can make it in and out of the Magic Kingdom, you've got a pretty good chance of of. Uh, I think, I think if you get past you know what Car Care Central is right yeah. near the uh, the toll plaza, if you can get to that point, and that's about that's like eight and nine. It's Probably around the nine mile mark, maybe the fifteen k mark. I think you're going to be okay. What's the um, what's the course? What's the what's the half marathon course? Where, where do you start and finish? Well, you you start. I believe it's at the Discover portion of the Epcot parking lot, which is as, as you're looking at Spaceship Earth, it's to the left. It's way over to the left. The race begins at six o'clock, and you're running, uh, you're running out of the parking lot. You're running uh, up World Drive. You're running all the way. On, you're running to the left of the um, the toll plaza, the Magic Kingdom toll plaza. You're running past Car Care Central. You run uh, you run through uh, the Magic Kingdom park, the, the ticket and transportation parking lot. You run through the ticket and transportation center, and then you run along the road to the Contemporary. You then go in through the side of the Magic Kingdom, and that will take you through the back um, through the the, the the backstage areas, and you get to see a few interesting sights back there, and then that eventually leads out to Floridian Way, and then you—that's the long trek. That's that's like that's almost like Heartbreak Hill. You you 
follow that for just the longest time, and then you have to go uh, up two ramps before you get to uh, Epcot, and then you come in through the Living Seas, I think it is, and then uh, you somehow get down near Spaceship Earth, and you went all the way up to the World Showcase Lagoon. You still with me, Lou? Uh, got him sweating already. <laughs> and uh, you get to the World Showcase Lagoon, you turn around, you come back down, and you run so that the fountain, the Epcot fountain, is on your left, and Mouse Gear is on your right, and you keep going. You get go past uh, Spaceship Earth that's on your left, and then just before you get to, as you're running past Spaceship Earth, just before you get to that little gift shop, that's on the right. You go behind the scenes, and that takes you out to the parking lot. And then you're about another 200 yards from the uh, the finish line. And the finish line is something that you'll just. I, I think I think the finish line and the uh, the atmosphere at the beginning of the race, and the atmosphere when you come out and you hit you hit the last 150 yards is what keeps people coming back because there are I don't know how many thousands of people are there cheering you on but there's always the chance that you're going to hear your name on the on the loudspeaker and <laughs> here comes Lou Mangiello you know blah 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 and it's just a really 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 nice feeling and and uh, it's a really interesting experience it's very surrealistic uh, it's it's the last the, from that Friday to that Saturday night, it's just an amazing, amazing experience. And uh, beyond the, um, the, uh, the 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 benefit that you get, you know, you know, from from being in shape and everything, it's just just an amazing experience. And and some of the amazing things that you see. One of the things that I will always take with me from this past um, marathon, half marathon, is that while I was running, I noticed there was a a father with his son, and his son must have been late teens and, and I, I, I thought that the son was uh, possibly could have had um, uh, Asperger's could have had uh, uh, could, could have been I forget the name of the uh, he could have been autistic and his father held his son's hand and they did the entire half marathon it was just such an amazing amazing uh, sight to see you know that dedication it was like the father wanted to show his son that he could do you know whatever he needed to do. I saw so many things like that, Lou. And it's I've been I, I I've I've run eight races down there over the last, and every race there's a story there. There's a just you know amazing. You see people just hugging and crying at the end of the the race, saying you know I did it, I did it, or whatever. And it's just it's just an amazing amazing experience. And that's really what motivated me to do it was not because I said, you know, I want to run a marathon um, or, you know, okay, maybe I need to get myself in shape, but that that's not the motivation. You know, how you described the experience uh, of doing it and, and doing it at Walt Disney World, you know, as opposed to doing a normal marathon is really what, you know, it motivated me, um, you know, to want to do it. It's just to, to say, yes, the personal challenge to be able to say, can I do it? Can I finish, you know, can I cross the line? And, and to see and experience everything that you did and, the way you know the way you talked about it was enough to get me to uh, to go ahead and do it. Yeah, there, that that weekend, Lou, is very much become a family-oriented weekend. There is a uh, there are a number of races for children that are are held uh, that weekend. I know that there's a 5K race that is held Friday of that weekend in uh, MGM Studios. So there's a lot to that weekend besides the half marathon and the full marathon. It's it's become 
quite a popular weekend. Yeah, and, that, and that's how Disney builds it. I mean, they build as, you know, the marathon weekend. Um, and just quickly, like you said, there's the family fun run 5K. There's the family fun run kids races. There's the health and fitness expos. Goofy's race and a half challenge. The marathon, the half marathon. And then there's a post-race celebration and award ceremony. So it definitely is not just a uh, the three and a half hours that you have to run the half marathon in. And to give you an idea as to how popular it has become, I believe that last week saw the Goofy Challenge. Uh, I think it was completely booked. Yeah, it was sold what, out. Yeah, sold out. That and for those who aren't familiar with it, that means that every single slot that uh, was open for that for that particular challenge, which is the half running that doing the half. I, I'd like to say running the half marathon, but I, a lot of people walk, run, whatever. Uh, those are the goofy challenge is completing the half marathon on Saturday and completing the full marathon on Sunday. So we're talking almost 40 miles in two days. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. That's, 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 that's in two years, Lou. Yeah, let, let me tackle the half marathon. <laughs> let me get past the uh, family fun run kids race first. And I'll, I'll start. <laughs> I'll work my way up to the half. <laughs> Actually, you know that that's a pretty good warm up race. You know, you run that. You know, it's a five k, so it's three point one miles. You run through the Magic uh, MGM Studios. You do that on Friday, and that gets you get your legs all limbered up for the. Uh, Half marathon the next day. You know what? I'm going to have to have you come back on like a few months from now and kind of see where I am in my training, if I've okay. even started training at that point, and see uh, see how far along I am. But yeah. one of the things I wanted to touch on was we were talking about the experience as a whole and what you see and the reasons why people run. And I know many, many people, yourself included, use the opportunity not just, you know, to to experience the run and to, to you know, get that um, personal challenge to, to finish, but to raise money for a lot of worthy causes and charities. In fact, you know, you inspired me who went on to inspire the guy that does our voices, Jonathan Dichter. He's actually not only um, decided to train and lose weight and be able to run in next year's half marathon, but to have people sponsor him so he can raise money for the Dream Team project. So it, it a lot of people do this for um, good causes as well. You, you ran, you had were you sponsored? You ran for the cure. What? I said to myself, "Gee, you know, I've got all these friends. Like you and I both have. Uh, uh, Deb Wills is our friend. She's a uh, she's a breast cancer survivor." And I said to myself, "Well, gee, you know, I might as well do some good with this. Just besides besides getting a medal, I didn't want to be looked upon as being a medal hoe, as we say, <laughs> you know. So so race for the cure. I uh, I um I decided to give it a shot. I, I had never done anything like that." before and, and I, I need to thank you you were one of the, one of those who who uh, donated so graciously to the uh, to the cause and I ended up uh, I ended up raising I ended up finishing in second place uh, for the central floor raising as much as I did and and I'm watching the uh, the um, the ceremony at, at the end and all of a sudden they called me up there and I'm thinking what did I do and, and they said <laughs> You you know you you came in you raised uh, the second highest amount and I just didn't know what to do you know and and uh, it was really it was just I I started to it was as if I was um, watching illuminations like a tear came to my eyes and so it was just that was just fun and and it was kind of uh, what was kind of nice was that uh, the person who finished first in the race for the cure was a breast cancer survivor herself and 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 I'll tell you Lou that that race goes through um uh I believe it goes through uh um it goes through MG, uh the magic uh 
Animal Kingdom. And um, I'm pretty sure it does. And it was just very inspiring to see all these people, you know, wearing these signs. I'm running for my aunt. I'm running for my mother who passed away. It's like, it's just like you just want to do as much as you can because there's so much love. It's run by the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Mm -hmm. And it's just an amazing, amazing thing. And, and, yeah, you're absolutely right. Beyond the uh, beyond the benefit that you as an individual gets in, in training, you get to help others, and, and that's 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 what we're here for. You know, we're all in this together. So, you know, it's just it's it's to me it's it's gravy, and and I I, I just uh, I never felt so good about about a race like I felt for that race. It was like you know maybe somewhere someone's going to benefit from from everything that all these people have done. I agree with you. I mean, it, it definitely sounds like, you know, it's an incredible experience on so many levels from, from the running aspect to the training aspect to getting to see things backstage and, and the personal benefits and, and raising money for the good causes. Um, you know, it's definitely worth, I think the entry fee next year is going to be $90 for the half marathon. And you also obviously get all kinds of, you know, good little free stuff and shirts and, and all that. But you get that good feeling, uh, both personally and for the people that you help. So, um, thank you for, for inspiring me to do this. I, I am looking forward even more so now to training than I was in the past. And hopefully we've, we've inspired some other people to do it and to uh, you know maybe raise some money a- along the way. I'm going to post links up in the show notes, not only to Disney World Sports, where you can get more information, and you can register. Mike, you've written, I've counted so far, four different articles about the marathon, including one recently about your marathon tips from uh, December this year. I'm also going to put links up to the Disney Marathon Weekend page and the uh, All Ears Net page about running the Disney Marathon. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for all the great information and inspiration and all that you do for uh, for the people that you help and us as Disney fans. When I, when I tell people that you are the guy that really is inspiring and you get that whole Disney magic that we talk about, I really mean it. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank Lou. Thank you, Lou. Uh, I, I got to tell you that everybody knows that you're my hero, and uh, this is the uh, meeting of the uh, mutual uh, admiration club. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. And uh, I'm uh, looking forward to hopefully doing the half marathon next year with you. I'm not sure if I'm doing that or if I'm doing the full marathon or if I'm just going to sit it out. So uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Well, hopefully I see you there uh, at the finish line if you don't mind waiting two hours for me to catch up to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I'll, you'll be waiting for me, I believe. <laughs> Mike, buddy, thanks again. Remember, you can also read Mike's columns over at mouseplanet.com and listen to him and the other guys over at WDW Today, their podcast. I'm going to put those links up in the show notes again. Mike, thanks a lot, buddy. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Lou, and uh, good luck with the new show. Thanks. Seek an adventure in salty old pirates, eh? Amigos, amigos down there. It is me up here. Rainfinder, I'm just right. Uh-huh. Welcome to the voices behind the magic. 
Hello, and welcome back to the voices behind the magic. This week we profile yet another man whose voice can be heard throughout the Disney parks. Born February 6th, 1914, Thurl Arthur Ravenscroft was an American voice actor and singer known for his deep, booming voice. From my limbs, let new life fall. To Disney fans, he is well known as the voice in many Disneyland and Walt Disney World attractions, including Buff, the buffalo head at the Country Bear Jamboree. Hey, Henry, what's holding you up? Let's get on with the show. We can't hang around here all day. Fritz in the Enchanted Tiki Room. Oh, Tuliba, I almost fell out of my upper perch. Glad to see you all aboard. Uh, sure, or <laughs> wherever you are. The voice of Tongaroa in the Enchanted Tiki Room pre-show. Various pirates and pirates of the Caribbean singing voices in It's a Small World the first mate on the Mark Twain Riverboat, but perhaps he is most well-known for being one of the lead vocalists in Grim Grinning Ghosts, the theme song of Disney's Haunted Mansion. After the doors creak and the tombstones quake, happy haunts materialize, and begin to vocalize, Grim Grinning Ghosts are to socialize. It should also be noted that Thurl also was the narrator on Disney's The Story and Song from the Haunted Mansion vinyl record, as well as the Jungle Cruise vinyl record, and the Pirates of the Caribbean vinyl record. One of the computer-animated singing busts in the 2003 Haunted Mansion film was modeled after Mr. Ravenscroft. But Disney parks were not the only Disney work he did. He also provided several animated voices, including the pig in the jolly holiday sequence of Mary Poppins. And Mr. Ravenscroft can be heard in many Disney features, mostly uncredited, including 101 Dalmatians, The Sword in the Stone, The Aristocats, Dumbo, Peter Pan, Sleeping Beauty, The Jungle Book, and the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Although the sounds he provides for the Disney parks are nearly beyond compare, in fact, they're great. He is probably best known as the voice of Tony the Tiger for more than 500 television commercials for Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. And finally, because of his deep singing voice, Mr. Ravenscroft was asked to sub in for Boris Karloff and sing the theme song of Dr. Seuss's classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. Despite the fact that his voice can still be heard throughout the Disney parks and in the Disney movies, very recently, on May 22, 2005, Thurl Ravenscroft passed away. However, the legacy he leaves behind is one that will always make him one of the voices behind the magic.
I really want to thank everybody for all the positive support and encouragement you've given me over the past couple of weeks, and you've demonstrated that in the, in the number of emails and voicemails that I received, and I'm sorry that I can't get to all of them every week, but I wanted to try and get through some of your vo- uh, your emails this week, and I thought I would enlist the help once again of our good friend Jeff Pepper. He is the blogger over at 2719hyperion.blogspot.com. You've heard him do some segments with me in the past before. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I'll do good. All right, we're going to just uh, kind of wing this here, and uh, we're going to answer a couple of emails. And the first one says, Hello, Lou. Let me first say that I'm loving the new podcast at least as much as the old show. I hope this one has just as great a run. Uh, I have a suggestion for an attraction you could spend some time talking about in a future episode, the Chinese theater that serves as the, as the facade for the great movie ride. That's actually a great idea. Jeff? Let's get working on that. I'd love to know some of the history of this replication, how closely it resembles the original, what went into creating it, etc. Specifically, I'm very curious about the handprints in front of the theater. Are those replications of actual handprints in front of the real Chinese theater, or did the celebrities come to Disney MGM and create them there? Or are they just complete fabrications created by Disney? Thanks, I look forward to next, next week's show Paul Lally. Paul, thank you for the great question and the great idea about doing something about the great movie ride because as you've heard me talk about in the past and as you've heard which segments that I've done with Jeff, we both love some of the great details and the great movie ride is a perfect example of that. But specifically about your question about the handprints out in front, those are real handprints and sometimes other body part prints that were put uh, by the actual stars and celebrities. A great many of them were actually done on May 1st, 1989 when the studios opened. But throughout the years, a number of them um, have been added. Uh, There hasn't been a new addition in some time, uh, relatively speaking. But if you kind of look around and see, there's there's some great ones in there. And obviously, uh, you'll see Mickey and Minnie and Goofy in there. And uh, Jeff, I'll throw a trivia question out there for you. There's one that I love showing people because one celebrity decided not to put his or her handprints in there, but something else and some other sort of body part. Do you know what that was? I'm guessing that's the great Gonzo and his nose. Close. Hey, you'll get you'll get half credit for that one. It's actually Alan Alda and his nose. Okay. <laughs> Alan Alda put his nose print, and I'll see if I have a picture of it. I'll put it up in the show notes. But if you're staring at the theater, standing in front of it, and if you look, he's way off to the left, close towards the front of the theater. Alan Alda put his nose print uh, in there. But yeah, celebrities, both um, real and characters, have have done it throughout the years, and I'd love to see him kind of update that with some new celebrities. Um, yeah, they, they really, they did a huge, huge push on that in the early years, like 89, 90, because uh, one of the things that really dates it is you got Warren Beatty there, and I can't remember, it's Charles something is the little kid that was in Dick Tracy is there as well, and you'd never know who that kid is now. Right. <laughs> and, and I think they like, got Golden Girls, like everything that was kind of at the heyday there right. in right. the early years, but yeah, I don't think they've added anything in years. No, I, I was actually, when I was down there last time, I was with some friends and we were trying to find out when the latest was, and it was a number of years ago, and I don't, I, I wrote it down somewhere and I don't remember who, who it was, the latest one that we could find, but it's been a while, it's been a while, well, so. Well, and, and not to go, you know, also, you know, when you talk about the, the Chinese theater, not to get, you know, too controversial here, but many of us would just like to be able to see it again. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the addition of the hat, you know, love it or hate it, some people uh, are very adamant about you know, how it blocked the view 
uh, down Hollywood Boulevard of uh, of Man Chinese Theater. Well, you know, they set up, you know, when they talk about, when Imaginary talks about setting up the weenie, you know, that was initially, that's what it was there at the uh, at the studio. So it's kind of interesting that they kind of created a new one. Yeah, and it's not really, you know, technically was not regarded, meant to be regarded as the, the new weenie or the new icon for the park, but that's really what it was. You know, I mean, the water tower initially was, was the park's icon. Yeah, and then, that's, that's very true. But I, I agree, I used to like... Um, not only looking down Hollywood Boulevard and seeing the theater, but if you look at some of the old park maps, you can see what at the time was the largest hidden Mickey because right. the theater and the plaza in front of it and some of the planters actually created this giant hidden Mickey. And I'll see if I can find one of those, scan that in, and put that up in the show notes as well. Yeah, it was, it was funny that when I first got onto Google Earth, I went trying to see that, and you can't really do it anymore, you know, from the from the satellite view. Yeah. True. So the next question says, Hi there, Lou. Here's my two cents on Iger's blue sky ideas for future expansion. Disney had at one time thought about a hotel DVC resort in Times Square early in the redevelopment of the area. Now that they have four shows on Broadway and are continually developing more, the concept would make an incredible economic sense if the property for it could be acquired. Very good point. The smaller niche theme parks could be something in response to the success of SeaWorld's Discovery Cove Park. Never heard of it, don't know what you're talking about. This highly interactive and unique experience only allows 1,000 visitors a day, each paying premium prices up to $279 each for a basic day package, and yes, higher priced options are available. Um, TripAdvisor.com recently ranked them third in a list of the top 10 attractions in the U.S., Disney World being number one. Disneyland being number two. So she says that's got to be making Iger think. Finally, there are smaller parks like Sesame Place, which is a combination dry and water park tucked into the middle of an industrial park area in Pennsylvania that have been very successful. Couldn't you imagine a Playhouse Disney park somewhere? There's a great piece of property available in Calverton, Long Island that's even zoned for it. Hey, I can dream too. Love the idea about reclaiming the glory days of one of the Atlantic Shore boardwalks. Great show, Lou. That's from Pat Disney Dame 2004 on the DisneyWorldTrivia.com forum. So, Pat, I, I agree with you about everything that you said. I didn't really know about what they were doing in uh, in New York, but I do agree not only about the niche theme parks and what they'd be able to do capitalizing on the success of franchises like Playhouse Disney. Um, it would be a great idea. And, of course, I do have a personal sentimental reason for wanting them to do something like that on uh, you know, an Atlantic Shore boardwalk. There's plenty of prime places down on the Jersey Shore that they could do something like that. I'm on board with you, but i got to bring up a reservation. Um, and it's, it's a couple things. Uh, you know, I love the idea of doing the smaller venues, and I really do like the idea of the themed hotels, you know, in non-theme park locations. But it's, it, it, it's really tricky, I think, that they, you've got to really, really hit a home run when you do it. And the, the one example, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this, I was living in Baltimore in the um, late 80s. And they tried to do something like that, and they called it the power plant. And if you've ever been to the Inner Harbor in uh, downtown Baltimore, the power plant was an old power plant building, and they turned it into a mini theme park. And it, it went totally belly up with inside of a year. And it now is the uh, home of, I think, an e I think it's an ESPN sports clubs actually in there. There's a Disney connection. It just, 
they thought they were putting it in the middle of a perfect tourist area, and then they thought it would just be a perfect fit, and it just didn't catch on, and the locals were quickly bored with it, I mean, or just did not find it very interesting, and it's a, it's a tough call, it's kind of like the Disney quests, you know, how, you know, they kind of, they, they only the one open in Chicago, am I correct on that? Right. Yeah, and it just, it didn't go, so it's, it's, it's a great idea, but it's it's got to have per, almost near perfect execution, like the right thing in the right place at the right time. And I I'm very I'm like you I'm very enthusiastic to see what their plans are. Um, you know those those blue sky drawings they had in the uh, the stock report were really really interesting. I just would hate to see something that looked totally great just fall on its face and then kind of eighty six the whole program. Right. Well, well, look at you know Disney's America is a perfect example of that. Um, you know, that, that looked like it was going to be a fait accompli and never came to be. And, and there's a lot of reasons why. Um, and again, that, that could be a separate topic for a whole other show. But, you know, you talk about doing something on the Atlantic coast, you're now talking something that's pretty much going to be a seasonal thing. I don't know who's going to want to say, hey, let's go to Jersey in January, uh, right. down to the Jersey Shore, you know, just because Disney is there. So um, those kind of things definitely have been taken into consideration, especially in light of what's been happening overseas. You know, Disneyland Paris slash Euro Disney did not initially and probably in the long run meet the expectations of Disney. Hong Kong right now, you know, Disney is in the process of possibly looking into uh, some sort of other financing because the numbers are not where they want to be. And Hong Kong is supposed to be a beautiful park in a great location. So um, you're right about all those things. But again, um, just being the, the Disney fan that I am to, to, to have Disney in locations other than Walt Disney World for me would be great and and i do understand i did get some other emails that touched on this as well saying well you know part of the magic of disney is the fact that you have to go to it that you have to save up and go to it and it's someplace special it's not someplace you know around the corner like a rainforest cafe that you can kind of visit whenever you want or visit you know pretty frequently the fact that it's a special trip uh for so many people makes it even more so magical yeah but i gotta say though that um the idea of putting the hotel in in Times Square is a slam dunk. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think that's a no brainer. I mean, you you basically have Disney established on Broadway, and they're going to be established on Broadway for years, and you've got the world of Disney Store. So I I think that's a perfect fit. I I can't see how they could go wrong. I agree with you. Like that. Disney single handedly turned that section of of you know uh, Times Square and Forty Second Street around and turned it into you know a seedy place. You'd be scared to take your family into a beautiful, well lit, safe. You know, happy place that, that you know, in on many levels screams Disney. So I agree with you 100% there. The next email comes from who does it come? Comes from Caleb, and he says, "Hey Lou, thanks for WDW Radio. I'm a big fan of Disney World. Not necessarily a big fan of all things Disney, so I think this podcast is right up my alley. I really like Ellen's Energy Adventure at Epcot." The first time I experienced the ride, I was very intrigued at how the whole ride vehicle seemed to operate autonomously, especially considering how massive the vehicles are. This must have been a huge feat for early 1980 engineering. You're 100% right, Caleb. I've always liked the small trivia tidbit about Michael Richards playing the caveman, but I recently read that Tim Conway was the actor who played Einstein on Jeopardy. Can you confirm this, and do you have any other fun trivia to share about this relaxing attraction? Caleb, thanks for the email and compliments on the show. 
we could do a whole huge segment about trivia about Ellen's Energy Adventure, and maybe we will save that for a future show. But let me address your question about Tim Conway, because I had heard that a long time ago as well, because he's really not, he's uncredited. The person who plays Einstein is uncredited in any kind of documentation you find out about Ellen's Energy Adventure. But uh, when it became this, this version of the attraction in 96, um, Albert Einstein was, in fact, played by Tim Conway. And most of us know the name Tim Conway from Carol Burnett and Company, uh, the Apple Dumpling Gang, the Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. And yes, uh, I've even checked at Tim Conway's website, and he is, uh, he is the person that plays Einstein. No way. Way. <laughs> There's lots of great cameos. There's plenty of great cameos in that, uh, in that attraction. Okay, I've grown up with Tim Conway, and I never made the connection. <laughs> see, now next time you see it, uh, you'll have to... I will see to, it, yeah. You, it, you can... it must be the wig. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, whenever time I think, I hear Mrs. F- Mrs. F. Wiggins in my head, but... <laughs> and most kids <laughs> are going... the ball. Right, they, they don't even know what we're talking about, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. Move on, move on. All right, <laughs> let me... Let's but the interesting thing, though, is the, the, that when he was talking about that, the theater cars, I still remember when when it opened, one of the big things was the theater cars. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, the big deep, you know, you're riding in theater cars. Yeah, that, and you know what, and I agree. I think it is a great attraction. I know some people look at it as, as a place to spend 45 minutes and take a nice, cool nap. <laughs> um, and to a certain degree, it is. But, um, you know, I, I remember at the original... Uh, incarnation of it in the pre-show, especially when you had those rotating blocks and the great pre-show, and and it was a little bit more maybe educational, maybe a little more too dry for some people. But I like it. I, I actually like what they did with Ellen. I, I like her character. I like the comedy that they infused into it, and I think uh, I think the attraction still works even after you know more than a decade on on many levels. You you have to give it credit because I think if you look at the history of Future World. If Exxon wasn't still willing to sponsor it, I don't know if it would still be there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and people have said, you know, some people have been calling for uh, an update of the show. um, Or some people have said the show should be shortened because it really does take a pretty big chunk of time, you know, between waiting and the 45-minute show. But um, I like it. And you're right. It is a technological marvel what they've done because those huge, you know, um, and I don't have the tonnage in front of me right now, but I mean, the cars weigh, I think, like 30,000 pounds each or some some obscenely high number. And they basically are guided on a quarter inch thick little wire. And that's how they, they move about the attraction. So Powered completely by the solar cells on the roof. Yeah, they. Uh, is it completely or just partially? It's not completely. I think it's about fifteen percent. I think it's about the thing okay. to get fifteen percent. But uh, you know, the number of solar panels up there, you know, what they'd be able to do for for a normal person's house, um, you know, would be amazing. The kind of energy that they generate. So uh, yeah, we'll definitely, you know, we'll definitely do an ener- uh, universe of energy kind of maybe a little retrospective talk about some of the trivia of the current attraction and whatnot um these emails are great because they kind of get me thinking about different subjects that uh, we start talking about and, and would love to cover so all right i think that's going to do it for uh for this week's visit to the listener mailbag or email bag or whatever you want to call it but if you have any questions or comments or trivia or anything you want to share by all means please send it over to lou at wdwradio.com Call our voicemail anytime at 206-202-4WDW. If you want to talk about anything you heard on the show or any of these emails, you can also go to the WDW Radio forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. I want to thank Jeff Pepper from 2719 Hyperion 
at .blogspot.com for coming on and helping me out going through some of these. Jeff, thank you very much, buddy. My pleasure, sir. Well, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I want to thank you all for coming back and for listening to the show, as well as thanking my special guests, Mike Scopa, Jeff Pepper, and Jonathan Dichter. I also want to say thank you again to both Jonathan and David and his wife, Kathy Recchione, for the great, great intro theme song this week. Again, if you guys like that, let me know. I'll put it up, uh, the full version of it, in the DisneyWorldTrivia.com download section. I also want to mention some other friends of the show. Don't forget to check out Tim Foster's Guide to the Magic at GuideToTheMagic.com. For more information about Magic Meets, go to MagicMeets.com. By the time this comes out, it is probably sold out, but uh, you can check into it anyway. And if you didn't make it in this year, make sure you come by next year. If you are coming, I look forward to seeing and meeting you at the event this summer. Other podcasts I want to mention, go over and check out Big Brian's Disney podcast, now known as Mousing It Up, and I'll put a link up to that in the show notes, as well as check out the one-year show over at The Meandering Mouse, Paul Barry's Window to the Magic, WDW Today, John Crigliano over at MouseTimes.com, Mouse Guest, and Let's Talk About Disney, and so many more. I'll put links to these up in the show notes. On upcoming shows, we have more interviews, including one that I'm doing while I'm down in Walt Disney World. We have the Seven Wonders of Walt Disney World coming back. More segments with me and Jeff Pepper doing some trivia and history about Walt Disney World. Some other special guests coming on. We also have some contests coming up. More voices behind the magic from Jonathan Dichter and a few more surprises along the way. And again, I've said it since day one, this show is for you and to a certain degree by you. So if there's something that you like or that you want to hear or someone that you want to hear from, by all means, let me know. Please send any comments and feedback to Lou at WDWRadio.com. You can also call our voicemail at 206-202-4WDW. You can call with a question. You can call with a comment. You can even call from the parks, and we will definitely play it on upcoming shows. I also promise to get to all the listener emails that I have received. Um, Sometimes just not enough time on the show, but I promise if I haven't answered it via email, I will definitely get to it on the show. If you want to talk about anything that you heard on this week's or any show, go to the WDW Radio forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. It's free to join up, and it's a lot of fun, so come on over and talk to other listeners about what you've heard on the show. Again, thank you so much for coming back and tuning in. I know that there's a lot of Disney podcasts out there to listen to, and I really do enjoy them all, but I know that people's time during the week is limited. So the fact that you've taken uh, an hour or so out of your week to listen is really, really appreciated. I want to thank you again for your support, emails, reviews on iTunes, and for digging the show. Of course, please help spread the word and uh, tune in next week. Thanks again to my special guests. Thanks to all of you for coming back and tuning in. See ya! Hello, this is Jonathan Dichter. You may have heard my work as the voice of the now-extinct Mouse Tunes podcast, and the current voice of both WDW Radio and the Magical Definition podcast's mascot, Shandy. But today I'm asking for your help. I've decided to get in shape and run in the 2009 Walt Disney World Half Marathon, and at the same time to help Lou Mangello and 
the DisneyWorldTrivia.com Dream Team, send at least one pediatric cancer patient and their family to Walt Disney World for a week. You can find out more information about how you can help me at my blog, voiceofmousetunes.blogspot.com. Your support of my health goals will help a little bit of Disney magic into all of our lives. And maybe we can be responsible for sending one or even more pediatric cancer patients to Walt Disney World to make their wishes come true. Again, voiceofmousetunes.blogspot.com Or feel free to email the host of this show who can forward your email directly to me. Thank you again for listening. Catherine from uh, New York. I just wanted to say congratulations on the new show, and I had a good um, bit, uh, bit you could do. Um, I think it would be really cool if everyone um, set in their dreams for Walt Disney World. So it is the year of a million dreams, um, and for people who have had dreams, for them to send them in as well. I think it would be a really cool side thing to do for the year, and um, good luck. Hey. hey, Lou, this is Ben from Dundalk. Just started listening to your radio show, podcast. Really enjoyed the show as well as your website. Um, keep up the good work. Thank you. Have a good day. Hi, Lou, this is Jill from Dallas, and I was calling to say that I love, love, love your new show. So thankful that you didn't stop. Um, didn't even make it through the entire second episode before I had to call especially because I've just listened to Jonathan's new segment, and I loved it. I thought it was so interesting, and just really hope that keeps on, because it was really, really great stuff. Anyway, just wanted to tell you I'm very excited about the new show. So grateful you're still doing it, and keep up the good work. Take care. Bye.